All right, welcome everyone to Study Hall episode 11. Jordan could not be here with us right now, but I'm Trevor Denton with Daniel Halpern and and Jimmy Goodman has been kicked out of group projects. Uh, he's so bad that people don't even want his help right now. But, you know, we want your help right now because we're going to finally recap uh, Super Bowl 55. Um, I think by the time this will air, we'll be on like Super Bowl 56, but we're going to we're going to recap it anyways, guys. What surprised you the most about Chiefs Buccaneers? And we're going to move on and talk a little bit about next season. Certainly, uh, I would say one, one of the things that surprised me is just, you know, I would have expected, you know, flares or fires. I wanted like a true European burn down soccer experience inside of Raymond James Stadium. I was surprised that the city of Tampa held it together so well, and at least until after the game was settled officially. Um, certainly as well, you know, a, a number of things surprised me. I, I have always been a believer in this Bucks defense, but not exactly that degree. You know, it was a pretty damn impressive performance that, you know, if you, if we want to have the conversation, this at least has to be one of the top five defenses in the NFL. I'd go top three, maybe even top two, and it might not even be two. Be two. Um, but you know, what a crowning moment for the city of Tampa, just a city of champions. You know, we have four professional sports teams in the area. We sent all four to championships this year one two a third one was postponed because of covid because the usl is cowardly as hell and then the dodgers spent a billion dollars to beat us so you know tampa city of champions if you really want to support a team that defaces and disregards a religious artifact known as the lombardi trophy by hoisting it and then hauling it and then throwing it across a channel of a ravine then go ahead, man. Go ahead. Couldn't be me, man. I'm with, I'm with. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Lorraine. I'm with Lorraine on this one. That was a disgusting, vile act that should be punishable by death, or at least cutting off Tom Brady's hands. Yeah, if we have to. If we have to talk about the most surprising thing in the Super Bowl, or what stood out the most to us, and you want to talk about, you know, what happened outside of the game, uh, Tom Brady being canceled for throwing the Lombard. Trophy, I think, is uh, just a perfect encapsulation of where our society stands right now. Uh, but it, when we get inside the field of play, I think things that really stood out to me was really how badly Patrick Mahomes played without any offensive line protection, yet in a way still played out of his mind. It was like it's a real, you know, who's who of it was he playing poorly was it the offensive line's fault was it his receivers and his weapons faults for I mean, there was a lot of throws where everyone would just like their jaw would drop and be like is Pat Holmes really about to do this and then the receiver would drop it like we're talking about the one where he was parallel to the floor maybe a foot or to, to the the turf maybe a foot off the ground and just flings the ball and went straight through uh Daryl Williams hands he had a, another one in the back of the end zone that was just possibly could have been there and I think the Chiefs just got too too complacent. They thought they walked into it saying, "Hey, we're the defending champions. We're just going to go do it again." Tom Brady's fossil. Um, we're we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. And even if we're down in this game, I don't think that they thought that they were going to lose that game until the fourth quarter, maybe when it started to get too out of hand. Because Chiefs have always been able to come back in those situations, and I, I think that they just thought that the comeback was coming, and they it never it never came. Yeah, I think the, the Bucks just kept supplying that pressure, so the comeback was just made impossible. And you don't want to blame it on the penalties, but I do think early on it definitely helped the Buccaneers kind of solidify their momentum because early in the game, I think 
their first two or three drives ended in punts, but then they had a few drives extended by some very, very questionable calls. I mean, the hold on Mike Evans on the Tyron Matthew interception was pretty obscene. And then there was a pass interference that should have clearly been uncatchable, but they like, just don't call that anymore. And then also on that uh, kick that they ended up calling for an offsides, which was huge. Um, that turned into it basically turned to Bucks possession from three points to seven points early in the game. And I don't even really think I've seen like a replay that shows for sure that Miko Hardman was offside. So definitely got some calls in their favor that got the ball rolling early. And I think another thing is that the Chiefs, I agree with the complacency aspect. I think drafting Clyde Ed- Edwards Hilaire with the 32nd pick was kind of a mistake. I think they needed more help on the front sevens either side of the ball, but especially on the offensive line, especially with some aging guys, of course. They didn't expect uh, COVID and to lose Duvernay Tardif, but um, you know, and it just shows you that in the NFL, one guy, you know, can't win a Super Bowl for you, even if he's a superhero um, um, like Mahomes. Because going into the game, that's the perfect way to put it. What? I think that's the perfect way to put it, Trevor. It's there. No matter, you can be the biggest superstar in the NFL, and you still need things around you to work in your favor. You can't do it all by yourself. It's not the NBA. Absolutely. And that's, you know, Brady's going to get all the credit, but I mean, you know, obviously he's going to get all the credit. It's the seventh ring. You could never take anything away from him, but you know, he, um, he, he's the ultimate team player. Um, ultimate, you know, they, they got the run game going. Um, and, and this is a great Buccaneers team. I think it's in the conversation for best teams Brady's ever been a part of. When you talk about the undefeated team, even though they lost, obviously talent wise, that 07 team, I'd probably put it number one offensively and defensively, just incredible. Uh, maybe a couple of the early 2000s Patriots teams, maybe the one that beat the Seahawks I'd put in there, um, or maybe the Eagles one. But I think I think Buccaneers, this team might crack the top three. And it was really like, a, um, you know, so many stars, but it, you can't underestimate the impact Tom Brady has on a team psychologically. Like, you can't tell me that, like, say someone like Devin White in his second year as a linebacker, you can't tell me Tom Brady joining that locker room and going against someone that cerebral and practice every day doesn't instantly take your game up another level. I think it was a roster full of very, very talented players, lots of high draft picks that hadn't yet become winners in the NFL. And I think Tom Brady makes the people around him winners just by his sheer experience and knowledge of the game. And I think that's what we saw. And, you know, now it's going to be really hard for Patrick Mahomes to ever catch up to Tom Brady's legacy. I mean, like we talked about in the, in, in the, in the preamble to this game, like now Tom Brady has the head to head. Not only does he have the head to head, he has, you know, the head to head at age 43 with a new team. That's not the Patriots. So pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. So discounting the small bit of blasphemy that Trevor just threw the, the bucks away by listing a Super Bowl losing Patriots team that lost to the Eagles uh, potentially in the company, if not ahead of the bucks team that just won the Super Bowl. With that aside, I think that part of the problem in this game was honestly game planning uh on on the chief side they really did not respond particularly well to controversy nor did they you know really make tom brady pay for his mistakes i mean there were times in that you know package game of course like the way that the package got back into the nfc championship was making brady pay for mistakes at least to some degree right obviously part of that is he was he had a much more flawed performance in lambo than he did at raymond james stadium a couple weeks back but um I think that the, the Chiefs had really hardly any capacity to capitalize off mistakes. And I don't think that they really changed their game plan in any significant way. They went to the most predictable game plan, which was once they were losing, they started throwing and throwing a lot and throwing much further than down the field than they need to. Uh, with such a terrible offensive line, you think that they'd lean more on short routes, short patterns, and getting the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand as quick as possible. But part of you know the function of him having all those plays were – you know, he racked up however many yards just scrambling around. 
uh, is that they were looking for deeper routes down the field and deeper patterns. And I, I think that was a mistake. Um, certainly there was a lot going on for Andy Reid before the game and in the week leading up to it. Uh, so I can hardly blame him for his mind possibly being elsewhere, but it is a, a worthy cause to note for why the game went the way it did. I was very impressed by both the game plans for Byron Leftwich. Um, I think he called the game to Brady's strengths, relied on the run game when he needed to, um, and then did a good job of icing the game. And then I think also Todd Bowles um, uh, called it an incredible game on, on the defensive side. I mean, the pressure was near constant. They were able to get pressure a lot of times with four guys drop into coverage, make life very, very difficult for Patrick Mahomes. So the Chiefs may have lost this Super Bowl, but they do have the highest odds or the best odds to win a Super Bowl next year um, at plus 550. The Packers come in behind them. The Buccaneers are actually – Buccaneers and Packers actually tied for the next best odds at plus 900. Then you have the Ravens, Bills, Rams, Niners. Guys, let's get into uh, – let's get into next season. Any odds for next season that you uh, particular, particularly like or uh, any teams you think, um, you think are sleeper picks to win a Super Bowl next year? So I, I think it's interesting you have the Packers at plus 900 as the second uh, best team that just shows that Vegas is really all in on the Chiefs. I don't think it, you know, I'm going to talk Packers, obviously, because that's my team. But I, I think any team that you have as the number two and you have them at plus 900, that's, that's pretty interesting that you have so much faith in that, that one team that is the Chiefs to go back and get there. And I think a lot of that has to do with Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Uh, and maybe anticipation for them making moves in the offseason. Now, what I will say is ever since Super Bowl 50, and this was this Super Bowl 55, so I, it's been five years straight of me picking Chiefs Packers in the Super Bowl, and this was like finally going to be the year where it was going to work out, and of course that didn't happen. So what am I going to do? I'm obviously not going to learn from my mistakes, and once again, for the sixth year in a row, I will be predicting uh, a Chiefs Packers Super Bowl. You're really interested in seeing that, you know, throwback rematch. Uh, of the of the earliest Super Bowls, certainly. I, I mean, y- you and every other you know big time Big J uh, NFL media analyst. Uh, personally, I'm just going to go with a very practical pick, and it, it literally will be the Super Bowl, and it'll tear my life apart. And it will be Ravens Buccaneers. First of all, I have yet to s- I will believe it when I see it with this Packers team, right? Post 2010. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and honestly, I'm going to start throwing Patrick Mahomes in the group until he gets back and wins another Super Bowl. These guys are just talked about over and over again, and they hardly produce when it comes to playoff time, right? Russell Wilson hasn't been back since he threw a pick against the Patriots on the on the goal line. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has simply not been back in a decade. Are you kidding me? How is this team constantly being expected to win the NFC when they go to the NFC Championship on like an annual basis and completely choke? Like I'm I'm tired of hearing it. I will believe it when I see it. When when the Packers make the Super Bowl, I'll, I will personally, no matter who they play, bold prediction, no matter who they play, the next time the Packers make the Super Bowl, I will pick them to win the Super Bowl, even if it's against the Ravens, even if it's against the Chiefs, because then I'll know that that team's actually serious. But until that happens, I don't see them going, right? And this Bucks team, regardless of who they're pending to lose in free agency, they're still going to bring back so much of this core. It's going to be ridiculous. And as they showed in the Super Bowl, a, a team that can get pressure, regardless of the opposing offensive line play, is a force to be reckoned with. So I, I don't see another team in the NFC coming close to what the Bucs can produce next year. I mean, that's a team – I wouldn't even ca- care much about what I see in the regular season, right? This is a team that if you put them in the playoffs, as they showed, they could very easily win three or four straight games against some of the best quarterbacks in the game. And then on the, on the AFC side, I saw so much weakness from this Chiefs team, both in the Super Bowl, but, like, 
I, I mean, some of the cracks were kind of there all season lurking under the surface from what we saw. I mean, they, they don't really start too hot in games. They force themselves to come back a lot of the times. They, for most of the year, didn't have like a particularly functional running game, even though they found it actually in the Super Bowl of all games. Uh, I like the Ravens' chances. I mean, the Ravens have some momentum coming off of Lamar Jackson's first playoff win. They're going to bring back a lot of talent, and they're going to actually, you know, try to address getting a, a legitimate, you know, wide receiver, uh, hopefully in this offseason, and maybe an extra rusher or two. So, I don't know. I, I think that's a pretty good – This conversation, your argument that you're making is just so dumb. You're, you're saying, oh, I won't believe it until I see it with the Packers. They, they haven't done anything. And then you talk about momentum after one playoff win, like – you make zero sense in how you, you you value things when it comes to teams that you root for. Well, I think it's totally reasonable. If Lamar Jackson had a ten had ten years behind him in which he hadn't passed the NFC the conference championship game after making it what four times, right? Then I would be concerned. Then I would say maybe that team, you know, I need to pump the brakes on them. But I, I like them at plus twelve hundred and I like the Bucks at plus 900. If I'm going to go dumpster diving, I also like the Dolphins at plus 2,500. I think they can figure it out depending on their quarterback situation. I really like the Titans plus 2,800. That's sensational. But there's also like some joke odds on this on this uh, sheet that have been released by MGM. I mean, the 49ers, who knows who's going to play quarterback for them? 1,400? That's an absolute joke. You're putting them above legitimate teams. Like as crazy as it is, the Browns. Right, I, I I don't understand where they come up with these these concepts. I also think that the Steelers are plus two thousand. I hate them, but good value there. I'm gonna agree with you, man. Uh, as much as it pains me to say, I think the Buccaneers, man, they they proved they're they're kind of like a perfect playoff team. Anytime you win three games on the road, they have the right mixture of of obviously the best quarterback of all time. That definitely helps, and I, I like their mixture of young um, and experienced talent. That's what I really liked about their defense. It's like, yeah, you got the the Devin Whites and the Vita Veas, but you also have like these mainstays like Levante David that have been around forever, Nadama Kinsu, who's been around forever, Jason Pierre Paul, who's uh, had a career with uh, three fingers long longer than a lot of players have been in the entire league. Like, dude played in the one of the Giants Super Bowls. So I think that mixture gets them back to a title. I think the NFC South still kind of in flux. New coach with the Falcons, Panthers still in flux. But I'll tell you what, man, I like the Browns plus 2,200. Um, you know, speaking of teams that got their mix of, of play, that, that got their taste of a playoff win, the Browns did that this year. Going with your argument about the Ravens, the Browns did that this year. Obviously a very talented roster, almost took down the Chad Henney-led Chiefs. Woo, we know that counts for a lot. Um, and I think that uh, they're going to make a big free agency splash soon. I think they're going to sign J.J. Watt. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I think that um, I, I like this Browns team a lot. I like this Browns team a lot. Imagine like some of these teams who they can stumble into Deshaun Watson, like a, a 49ers, if they could figure it out, even the Broncos, that loaded offense, they could make some noise. I don't think the Jets really have a chance if they, they end up getting him. And we can talk about Deshaun Watson a little bit later also. But I, I think that it's, these are, yeah, we way too early Super Bowl predictions. I think there's yeah. so much more to happen that all of these lines are going to shift significantly over the, the offseason. I'd love to see the Bucks odds last year around like like February before they landed Tom Brady. I don't know why Jimmy's so against the Niners as if they didn't make a Super Bowl uh, like one year ago. They had the most injuries easily of any team. They lost like Nick Bosa and the entire defense like a week into the season. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo played like seven games. Hard to judge him on this, on that season at all and has been injured for most of his career. Like when Jimmy Garoppolo has been healthy and the offense is clicking and Nick Bosa is healthy and the defense is healthy – 
they're a damn good team. I, I, I like 1,400 for the 49ers. I don't know why you're so off on them. Well, hear me out. First of all, I love the concept of Daniel phrasing it as stumbling into Deshaun Watson. I think uh, any team that ends up with Deshaun Watson. The Bucks stumbled into Tom Brady. Like, you just never yeah, know. That came I, out of not exactly nowhere. what happened. I mean, it came uh, it out was, of nowhere. Tom Brady on the Bucks absolutely came out of nowhere. Well, I mean, if you consider the fact that, you know, they kept a bad GM so he could hire Bruce Arians, who had a noted positive relationship with Tom Brady. And, you know, they're in Florida, no, you know, you know, state income tax and, you know, great weather and plenty of cap space. But no, it was a total stumbling into it move. And the team that trades four first round picks for Deshaun Watson will stumble into him as well. Uh, but in terms of the 49ers, I mean, that that's a team that first of all, again, does not have a quarterback, uh, a team whose quarterback, even when he's played, you know, include the injuries he's had, he's not been particularly impressed over the, over the past two years. They've won a lot of games. They've won a, a lot of games, but there is also another quarterback who's possibly flirted with elite status uh, with a great defense, and he actually won a Super Bowl instead of just going to one, uh, who didn't play particularly well himself, and his name is Joe Flacco. Um, so I, I don't believe that anything inspires confidence in me saying that the 49ers should have better odds than the Browns or the Seahawks as much as I you know, have some personal biases against Russell Wilson. I mean – the Saints still have a, a good roster that's $95 million of the cap. Like, there's a lot of teams that have proven a lot more uh, in terms of where they are today. So what have you done me for – it's a what have you done for me lately league, and there's not a lot that the Niners have done for me in the past year to make me awfully confident that, you know, they're the sixth most likely team to win the Super Bowl. Default. Plus, you know, you, you take into account the division they play in. They could just as – easily win the division has come in last in the division this year. Uh, so I, I, I don't really see, I don't really see where their Super Bowl hopes are. I think their Super Bowl hopes come in the fact that they made a Super Bowl in 2019. And then, I mean, when you just go down the list, I mean, um, Nick Bosa missed 14 games. Jimmy Garoppolo missed like 12 games. Dree Greenlaw missed like six games. D Ford missed 15 games. Like, that's a lot of potential there. That's a lot of players that were left on the sidelines. And it was almost like their season was over before it ever truly um, even, even began. And you have to remember, this is a team that just made the Super Bowl a, a couple years ago. Um, and a team that's losing every single cornerback on their roster to free agency this year. We'll see, man. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, that's why, you know, we'll have to revisit this after free agency. That's why it's kind of tough with these, with these early uh, projections, but yeah, I do think, um, I I do think the Buccaneers, I think are going to have a stranglehold on the NFC again. Maybe the Packers is the main competition, but then the AFC it's like, ah, man, like who's really going to unseat the chiefs right now? Like the Ravens haven't proven to be a particularly great playoff team. I think the bills are still kind of in that category of unproven, um, with Josh Allen still need to make one more leap, definitely made strides this year, but do I view them as a Super Bowl contender? Not quite. Um, I, I think it's really anyone's guess who ends up in there. And I, I'd say, why not the Browns? I definitely think they have the talent to do that. And now a little bit of confidence under their belts. Dolphins at plus 2,500 is also kind of interesting. And I think they're very legitimate to contender for Deshaun Watson. So we'll definitely revisit this, but definitely uh, wide open, especially more in the AFC um, than in the NFC, at least from my point of view. Um, all right, guys, football season may be over for the NFL and Division One college football, but, um, you know, we got FCS. We got FCS to hold us over um, in, in, until it comes back. Pretty exciting stuff. So, you know, not a lot of us have ties to, to FCS programs, except for Jimmy going to Columbia right now. But um, 
you know, we've decided to, in order to, you know, keep a vested interest in this FCS football season, we're going to do a little team draft. And uh, Jimmy, what did you want to call this? You wanted to call this a book report because every week we're going to report back on it. So yeah, that's exactly how I see it. I, I really just personally want to see Jordan be responsible for talking about FCS football. Uh, yeah. I want to, I want to, you know, inspire some interest uh, for him in this podcast. Yeah. If he actually comes up with like good points, if he, if he even like name drops, like a, like a, like a player's name at any point, like, I feel like that'll be a huge win. I, I think getting Jordan to care about like the NFL has been kind of tough. We could get him to care about the FCS. We've really got something on our hands. That's me. He knows the NFL. He knows the NFL. But that one time that I asked him who he wants to be USC's next head coach, and he said, uh, go to someone else. That was, that was tough. So we're, we're going to, we're going to entrust him with the responsibility. Um, we're we're going to st- he gets the first pick. He wasn't able to be here today, but we're, we've given him the first pick and he's going with the, actually I'll go over the rules first. So the rules are you are not allowed to pick North Dakota state. They're on a 30 game, uh, 38 game winning streak, nine games away from setting the all time college football record that Oklahoma did back in the 1950s. So yeah, they're going to win it again. This is really about picking the next best team. And we're really just trying to do this to, uh, because we all love football we want our football fix this is a way for us to get invested into it so the rules are um no north dakota state um one point for each win that way we'll kind of keep track of it week by week who's in the lead um five points for each playoff win and then an automatic win if your team wins the title which isn't going to happen because the bisons are obviously going to win the title they've won 38 games in a row like i said so did we come up with a rule for uh for if a team just ends up opting out of the season i think at that point um, you have like a one week suspension from the pod. Nah, that's too much of a reward for Jordan. I don't know what it should be. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll figure out what happens if a team opts out, but 90 out of 127 teams in the FCS are playing this year. So wide open field, uh, Jordan with the number one pick has decided to take James Madison. Um, and I think that's because, you know, he's a Lakers and a Patriots fan and he looked at the standing, saw the next highest ranked team behind North Dakota state and picked them, which is admirable, expected and very on brand for our good friend, Jordan Hunter. Love that man. Um, uh, who's got the next pick. Do we determine a draft order? No, I'll give Jimmy. Let's go, Jimmy. Yeah, let's give Jimmy. Let's give. Let's throw Jimmy a bone. We'll go, uh, Jordan, Jimmy, Daniel Halpern because he had cancer, and then I'll, I'll go last. I'll follow my sword and go last. So, so with the second overall pick in the FCS team draft, I, I definitely. Um. What sorry, draft sorry. music are you guys doing? <laughs> no, that's like you know what they pull say, up, like. Pull up. With the second pick. That's 100% the NBA music, not the NFL. No. Um, anyway, with the second pick in the FCS draft, I certainly considered a lot of different teams here. James Madison was a great front-runner pick by a front-runner fan. Uh, certainly something you would expect from a guy from Sacramento who doesn't root for the Kings. Uh, they literally have one team, and he doesn't like them. Uh, anyway, uh, with Jordan the second pick, too. It's not like he's a... He's a Sacramento transplant. He was like born there. Oh, born and raised in Sac. Truly a man of the Sac. Anyway, with my pick, I'm going to be going with Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, who is of, I believe, the Missouri Valley Conference, at least in basketball. That's as much research as I've done, Uh, which is, by the way, known as Arch Madness. The conference tournament of the Missouri Valley Conference in basketball is known as Arch Madness. It's one of the best mid-major conferences in America. Produced Loyola Chicago, obviously Northern Illinois, among others. 
uh, is one of my favorite sporting events to watch of the year is Arch Madness. So I will be going with Northern Iowa. I believe they're the Wildcats or something like that. They have cool colors of purple. Um, so yeah, that, that's my team. Kurt Warner played there. Kurt Warner played there. Booyah. All right. Daniel Halper, Northern Iowa off the board. Oh man. That was definitely in my top 25 of teams. I was going to pick shoot. Got to reevaluate my draft board, but you're on the board right now. Northern Iowa and James Madison, both gone. Uh, I don't know a lot about the FCS. I, as all of us, I say we can agree that we're, we're not that uh, read up on it. So I, I go and I'm thinking, well, you have, North Dakota State every year and they're dominating South Dakota State must get all the leftovers at least right so I'm gonna go with the South Dakota State Jackrabbits uh they are in the Missouri Valley Conference football I don't understand that because I thought that South Dakota would play in South Dakota I'm not sure how the the conferences and everything work there but I'm very excited to watch uh what, what they do, they have quarterback Jabor Gibbs, uh, who was splitting time last season. Hopefully he'll be the starter. Or this will sound really dumb when it comes out. Uh, but if not, hey, we'll have another Jackrabbit to go root for. Cool, man. All right, so we got the uh, Jackrabbits off the board. I'm going to go with uh, a team very close uh, you know, to Atlanta. I'm going to go with the Kennesaw State Owls, uh, the number 10 ranked team in the nation. They started a football program like five years ago and are already one of the true elites of the sport, opening up against Shorter University on February 27. Um, and, you know, I, 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 like, I like Kennesaw State. I like their uniforms as well. They got like a nice Adidas thing going. They're the Owls, which means they're, you know, they're able to um, adjust their offense from a 360-degree angle depending on their opponent. I think that made sense. Uh, but, you know, I got, I got to support the local team. I got to support the local team in town. Uh, I'm excited to follow this, guys. I'm excited. Um, we're, we're going to keep track of this every week. Force Jimmy, force uh, Jordan to talk about it. Um, maybe I'll get into some Kennesaw State football. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, week fun. one, week, uh, South Dakota State plays Northern Iowa. Jimmy and I have a, a good matchup coming on uh, February 19th. Uh, wow, I like that. I love that. All right, cool, cool figure out what other uh, in, in, inter-squad matchups we have here, but that'll be fun. I'm excited just to uh, just to keep watching some football. All right, let's take a, a quick break. When we come back, we're going to bring back pitcher half full, half empty. I've got a lot of stuff to say for that. So uh, keep it locked right here on Study Hall. All right, we're back. <laughs> um, we're bringing back a, a segment we all know and love. We just did our FCS draft. Jimmy just went over some of the some of the snubs. Go over some of the snubs again real quick. Who, who, who were you surprised that didn't get picked up in our FCS draft? I mean, Weber State was pretty surprising. You know, I, I would expect some love for Damian Lillard's alma mater. Uh, certainly Eastern Washington, home of the totally red field uh, in probably one of the one of the there it is. In one of the, just the worst sections of the country, Eastern Washington. Imagine being on the Idaho Washington border. Terrible. Uh, and also North Carolina AT. What does the T stand for? Technology. Who knows? It's impossible to say. Uh, but certainly some notable snubs in cow country. We're going to start off with pitcher half full, half empty. So I'm going to just start off um, pitcher half full. You know, I feel like I'm in a good TV place right now. Like I feel like when you're. In a, in a good TV place, that means, like, you have a show that you're waiting on every week. I always have to, like, to have one of those. You got something you're binge-watching. You got a com co couple, like, comfort foods that you can, like, return to right now. And I feel like I have all of that right now. And I feel like I was in a TV rut.
for a while. Like, and I was almost about to enter one again after the Mandalorian e- exited my life, but I'm in a good one right now. You know, like I'm binge watching new girl. Um, I've got the comfort shows right now. Like star Wars, the Clone Wars can always pop on an episode a- every time. I've kind of forgotten a lot of the plot. So that's great. I've been watching avatar the last airbender for like the second time since it came up on Netflix since my roommate had never seen it. So that's a lot of fun. And then I got WandaVision, like, you know, coming on, uh, every Friday and I don't know anything about Marvel but it's like just weird enough to keep my interest even though I have no idea what's going on and I just like hop on Wikipedia for like 30 minutes after every episode so that's been really fun man so I'm just picture half full I'm in a great tv space also wild card in there randomly picking episodes of iCarly to watch that's on Netflix too and it strangely holds up like it's weird how like and also it's weird how much it's just influenced my entire sense of humor like I was watching an episode it's like where Sam's trying to teach Spencer how to lie and he's just like lying to the video village employee, like about turning into Boogie Bear Takes Manhattan like 10 years ago, saying like, he's like uh, saying how he, he was, in, he turned it in like after he returned from the Olympics. And uh, she's like, what sport? And he's like, luge. And I feel like I've just like randomly thrown luge in. And he goes, I know, because then I was in my summer home in Prague. And I feel like I, just so much of my sense of humor and randomness has come from iCarly. But that show's amazing. One thing about it that's also incredible, they have seasons one and two, and you're like, oh man, I wish they had more seasons. No, no, no. Season two has 39 episodes in it. Like, I feel like, I feel like I Carly, like to them, like, um, uh, child labor laws were just like, like (laughs) we're like the Yankees and salary cap. Like they just were like, we don't, we don't, we don't care. We're going to bust out 39 episodes. So anyways, I'm in a great spot TV wise. Who's next? My, uh, picture half full of the week was actually from the Daytona 500. Uh, so I watch this little sport called NASCAR and everyone hates me for it. Uh, but this week, like basically like one of the biggest, like loser drivers, like ever won the 500. He's been driving, uh, for 14 straight years and has never won a race, uh, which is the second most of any driver between, you know, like how many starts to start your career has it taken to win a race. Uh, and he started like 480 races in his career and just finally won his first, which is crazy. Uh, my glass, my pitcher half empty rather. Uh, actually comes from the same race. They had like something like a like a six hour rain delay. It was really the worst. It really killed the the whole racing mood. So you know, both my picture half full and half empty come from from NASCAR, and, and that's kind of to be expected as a persecuted NASCAR fan. My picture half full of the week. I'm gonna really just use this this spot every week to highlight my, what's going on in the kitchen uh, in the in the water cooler satellite house, as we like to call it. Uh, I'm every week learning more and more how to cook, making new things. And the other day, you know, I'm 21 now. I uh, had a couple drinks the night before. I was a little hungover. And uh, I, I just got to cooking and I went, I made a, a chorizo hash with uh, some eggs in there. I made a little uh, spinach ricotta dip with crostinis for breakfast. And it was, it was an amazing brunch, uh, honestly. It wasn't so much breakfast by the time I was done with it. It was just, it was fantastic. I, I told a lot of people about it. And they're asking me to cook and I just want a COVID to get over here in LA so I can uh, open up a restaurant. I like that's highly ambitious. It's highly ambitious. I like it. Uh, my pitcher half empty of the week, which is going to turn into a pitcher half full. Just wait. It's a journey. So I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but I am, um, I'm, I've been in a Madden league for five years now and uh, I haven't won a Super Bowl since 2016. And we play about five or six seasons per game. So that translates to about 25 seasons in a row without a Super Bowl. And uh, this week, um, or last week, really, I made the Super Bowl for the third year in a row in my league. 
and I basically I beat my friend the uh, yeah Jimmy just did the math and it's been like 400 games I know all of this I've calculated it all I go, I go to therapy for a reason we part of it is talking through it um, oh, okay but um, but I made the Super Bowl for the third year in a row and to make it I beat another guy who's a user in the league um, who's the Seahawks and I beat him so bad that he forfeited or he quit the game rage quit the game right so I'm waiting for the Super Bowl. Had a super, super busy week of work. So I'm waiting for the Super Bowl to come. I finally get an off day on Friday. Um, and they advance and they forget to force me to win. And the Seahawks win in the sim. So the Seahawks end up in the Super Bowl over me. And let me tell you, I had just the most incredible Cardinals team ever. Like it was compared to like an ultimate team in the chat, which I loved. Like I loved everyone bitching about it. Like it's great to be on that side of things. Um, I had like Derwin James. I had the best defense of all time. I really think that I could have won a Super Bowl. And we were trying to come up with like solutions because like obviously my team wasn't in the Super Bowl. So I ended up just joining the Seahawks coaching staff for one game. That was all we could think about. And like this guy had a pretty good team with the Seahawks, but his quarterback was like a rookie who was a 78 overall, was actually playing pretty well. I think it was seven to seven at halftime. Um, but then um, right before halftime ends, his starting quarterback, who's only a 78 overall, gets injured. And so I just have Sam Ellinger in for the rest of the game, who's like a 64 overall. And every time I try to throw the ball over four yards, it's just like a pick six. So, um, you know, on one hand, I lost my third Super Bowl in a row, and I continue my streak of having not won a Super Bowl in about 400 games, five years, uh, 25 seasons. But at the same time, I feel like this is my best Super Bowl loss of all time. I wasn't even playing with my original team that I specifically designed to peak this year. I was playing with somebody else's team, and I was playing with an already bad quarterback that turned into an even worse quarterback. And we all know Texas is not back, so I ended up not winning. So it weirdly turned into a, into a silver lining. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my picture half empty that turns into a picture half full because normally I'm pretty upset about Super Bowl losses, but this one can't really be that upset about. I appreciate you telling this story. It's really entertaining as a former member of the Madden League who's won. I, I think I had three Super Bowls in like half the amount of time that you've been in the league. Yeah, and I've uh, also beaten you like definitely more than you've beaten me overall. <laughs> But that's not even true. Um, and yeah, I retired. You literally quit after I beat you regular season. And I retired champion. Um, a Super and Bowl you champion. lost to me in the regular season of that year, and I never played you in the playoffs. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, well, you actually didn't play me in the playoffs because you lost to the computer before you could play me. But you know all this is water under the bridge. All no, this you know who else lost to, all, lost to the computer? All. Seven billion people before the Terminator movie started. So I don't know if. You should be making fun of me for that. You know who else lost to computers? Uh, millions and millions and millions of clone troopers in the Star Wars The Clone Wars series. So let's let's try to be sensitive to that. You know who else lost to a computer? Joaquin Phoenix in 2014's Her. So let's, and I think that won an Oscar. So let's try to relax on the whole Trevor lost to a computer thing, okay? My picture half empty of the week has to be from Valentine's Day. I saw an amazing day. I, I don't want to say that it was a bad day by any stretch of the imagination, but I did go to Manhattan Beach with my girlfriend and no one was there. I was really excited. We were going to have the beach all to ourselves. And then uh, I realized why no one was there. There were gale force winds blowing sand everywhere. Uh, we, we had a little in and out picnic going on. And by the end of you know my, my first burger, it had turned into a sandwich. It's like you've never seen Attack of the Clones, bro. You can't be around. I hate sand. Of course, it's irritating. It gets everywhere. Yeah, man. Well, we're gonna be um, we're gonna be everywhere. You get podcasts next week. I'm glad you mentioned Valentine's Day and your girlfriend because we're doing our girlfriend's episode, special edition episode. We're gonna have Dan's girlfriend on the podcast. We're gonna have Jimmy's girlfriend on the podcast. 
this is going to be fun. I'm not even sure what exactly we're going to do, um, but we're going to plan some stuff in the next week. And, and this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a must listen episode for sure. And, you know, I just have a week to find a girlfriend. So that's going to be cool too. I think that's easy, easy money. First, I just got to start talking to girls, but all right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna close off talking some USC basketball, having a pleasantly uh, surprising season, and um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. All right, welcome back to Study Hall. We're gonna close off talking about USC basketball. Man, this team on quite the run right now, still atop the Pac-12 standings. How many games have they won in a row now, Dan? Six games straight. They've won thirteen out of their last uh, fourteen, Ooh. something like that. So we're approaching uh, potential apology territory for me because uh, two years ago I wrote, you know, and I, two years ago I was a, what, a sophomore. I was either a sophomore or a junior in college, obviously very qualified to talk about Andy Enfield, his, his job status. Um, and, you know, I wrote a very angry column after they made a second round exit in, in the NIT saying that basically Andy Enfield should get fired because that's what a 19 year old should do is, is cost other, try to cost other people's jobs. Um, that have been in, in the profession for a long time. But, you know, Andy Enfield was angry about it. He sent one of his uh, minions after me uh, to a USC football practice that I was covering. They cornered me, uh, presented me, uh, you know, confronted me with all this all this uh, facts against my column. I tried to defend myself. Um, but you know what? I think that um, we, we kind of agreed um, that if USC becomes a one through four seed in the NCAA tournament, I'm going to have to write an apology to Andy Enfield. And what better medium to present that apology than right here on the study hall podcast. So we're approaching that territory. I'm, I'm getting kind of nervous. I hope that I don't have to write anything. Um, you know, I hope I don't have to give myself homework, but guys, I think, I think we're approaching that territory. This team looks pretty dang good. I just have to say as a former rabble rouser myself in the USC uh, sports <laughs> ecosystem, I think there's something distinctly funny about the concept of like grown men coming up to college students and like, threatening them for what they talk about when they're talking about sports. It's a really interesting dynamic that's carried out, but I don't think we need to get too deep into that. Uh, I, I personally have, have quite enjoyed watching SC basketball. I would say like personally, and I haven't even really analyzed this, but I guess thinking about it now, I, I've watched a lot, like a lot of USC basketball. It's really easy watching. I find it, and I, I've been watching it pretty much ever since I came to campus. It's just easy thing. You know, you're already up at 1 a.m. What else are you going to watch? You're going to watch USC play at Oregon State at home. Uh, we'll win by, like, seven points despite losing the entire game. But, like, not, like, in an exciting comeback way, like, in, like, a disappointing kind of win way. And COVID or not, there won't be any fans in the stands. Uh, but certainly this has been the most gratifying season in terms of consistency and, like, actually, you know, success and, you know, putting wins on the board. Uh, so it's, it's been nice to see us actually finally get back into the rankings. I think this is our first time ranked since, I, I believe, 2017, maybe it was 2018, uh, was the last time that we were a ranked basketball team. Um, and it's exciting to see, you know, I mean, we've had a run of a couple straight years of extremely high-end, you know, like number one players on our team from, you know, KBJ to Okongwu and now Evan Mobley, who I would say is definitely the best of the three, definitely will have the highest draft pedigree. Uh, coming out of the season but I, I think that this is a team that can make you know some noise in the tournament if they they hit as a four or five seed I mean the path to the tournament is going to be honestly not that difficult in terms of you know getting through to a, a sweet 16 which I don't think we've made in at least over a decade 
since the OJ Mayo days, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so this is definitely an exciting team to watch. And any team that comes into a tournament with, you know, a number one talent like Evan Mobley can certainly, you know, do damage. As I've said before, got to figure out, you know, just being a much more efficient offensive team from the line. Uh, our three-point shooting can be extremely streaky, streaky on a night-to-night basis. Um, so, you know, anything can happen, but there are places to improve on this team. Well, you know, nothing's over yet. We still have six games left, all Pac-12 play. We got uh, both the Arizona schools, got Stanford, Colorado, Utah, and then a, a big game against UCLA, who will be at full strength uh, most likely. Uh, they were down three starters, I believe, in a lot of their depth when we played them at the Galen Center. It was a, it was a convincing win. Uh, it was 66 to 48. Right now, we are the first team out of the top 16, which would be a top four seed. So uh, we are a fifth seed right now. I've always been a fan of March Madness basketball. I've always been waiting for that opportunity to go watch my team potentially uh, go dancing in March. And it's very sad that I won't get the opportunity to do that this year because of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, man. So I looked it up the, uh, the year that, um, that I wrote that column was my sophomore year. And it was, uh, you know, my sophomore, I came in, decided that, you know, two years of USC basketball experience And uh, when the team had the tied for the third most wins in program history, I decided that it was of my authority to call for the coach's job. And you know what? I stand by that until proven otherwise. It's going to take a one through four seed, damn it, to convince me to write an apology to Mr. Andy Enfield. And I'm going to have to watch that uh, uh, Florida Gulf Coast highlight of all their dunks in March Madness at least three more times to be convinced. But yeah, exciting stuff for this USC team, like you said have a chance to, uh, first fifth seed first five seed since 06 07 um, currently sitting at 17 in three exciting stuff on the horizon we'll, we'll continue to monitor what happens and then might have to deliver a long apology right here on study hall that'd be kind of fun tune in next week uh, we'll be back for the girlfriend's episode we're going to be quizzing uh, daniel's girlfriend jimmy's girlfriend and my girlfriend which i have one week to find on what kind of sports knowledge they've picked up um, from dating the members of the study hall podcast you're going to get to hear jordan host um so he won't have any chances for awkward silences as an analyst it's going to be so much fun tune in next week bye